Hello and welcome back to another episode of Couch Potato Critics. I'm Shirley. I'm Carly. And I'm Miriam. And today we are reviewing Grand Hotel, which was an Academy Award winner from 1932, right? Correct. And this was my pick for for a movie for our category of Academy Award winners for Best Motion Picture. And right off the bat, um, Miriam, do you want to read the synopsis? Sure. Um, at a luxurious Berlin hotel between the wars, the once wealthy Baron Felix von Gangern supports himself as a thief and a gambler. In this lavish adaption of the successful Broadway play, the Baron romanticizes one of his marks, the aging ballerina Grzynskia, and teams with dying accountant Otto Gringlin against his former boss, crooked industrialist Precing, and his ambitious stenographer Flemchen. So, as a Best Picture winner, and having also not seen the other nominees, so this is a bit harder to judge, but do you think that this deserves a title as a Best Picture? That's a very, like, early, like, that's a, because we do, we normally do our ratings at the end, but I won't give my rating away yet. But, honestly, I do think that this movie deserved a, the, the award, um, I think this movie was really, really interesting, and something that a lot of people will say about old movies is that they're super slow, or they're super boring, or, you know, the characters aren't, like, uh, developed enough, and I thought that this movie was something that, if it was, like, remade today, you know, a bunch of people would go see it. I thought this movie was really well done, it was really interesting, the characters were all super likable, well, not all super likable, <laughs> but they were all really interesting, um, Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know if this has anything to do with motion. Like, do did they have categories for like cinematography? Yeah, I believe so. Back um, then, because um, I know like one of the first things everybody brings up about the movie is the shots. Like, I think that was the first time that I forget what it said exactly, but the desk was like a three hundred sixty degree desk, and that was the first time that the camera moved like that to show the whole desk. Oh, the the telephone one when they were like calling the yeah 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 the front desk and for a while like i had i didn't even read the synopsis before i watched it and i thought that was going to be the whole movie just like different people coming in and out to the desk yeah like what they were doing at the hotel i don't know that does sound kind of interesting but yeah i do think it deserved the award it was really good that as well and something that like shirley said about how people would go see this today i mean i definitely see that considering at the time like the John and Lionel Barrymore, Greta Garbo, Wallace Berry, and Joan Crawford were all, like, pretty big movie stars, so this is one of those movies that's just, like, all these big stars come together and star in, so, like, I thought that was pretty cool, so. Drew Barrymore? Yeah, Drew Barrymore's in this, guys, right before. So, actually, like, really, I, I didn't know much about the Barrymore family before, uh, like, almost, like, a month ago, I think, um, and I didn't realize, like, Drew, Drew Barrymore had anything to do with, like, like Wait, she, I didn't realize that she was, related? yeah, so it's oh, like the Barrymore family, oh, yeah. yeah, so the Barrymore family is like a really famous family in Hollywood, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that two of the stars in this movie are brothers, right, because I, I, Barrymore. yeah, and both from Philly, oh, lovely, which is where our podcast well, is well, located, well, 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 no, but like, which characters, um, the Baron and the Kringlin, oh, really, <laughs> Um, so I just thought that that was super interesting that they were brothers, but one thing that was strange to me is they don't look that similar. Yeah, like, no, like no, if you were just watching it and you didn't Google the cast or you didn't look at the credits, the credits, you wouldn't realize they were brothers, but I think that that just adds to their on-screen chemistry. So Definitely. I guess we could use that as like a segue into the characters in this movie, yeah. which there are a lot. 
Kringleine is, is our favorite, <laughs> as you will yeah. hear later on. But to start it off, since she has the highest billing, are Greta Garbo, who plays the aging ballerina dancer in this. And I have to say, I haven't, I think I've seen Greta Garbo in one other movie. And she's much better in this. In this, I thought she was a little exaggerated. But I guess that's, that's kind of her character yeah. in a way, is she does seem a little insane or i mean especially with what happens is she the baron ends up breaking into her room to steal from her and she then he then comes out of the shadows and she's just like what are you doing in my room and then like they get to talking and she ends up falling in love with him in one night and it's like this guy was trying to rob you and like why are you so open to him just like chilling in your room well, there's one really important thing that happened in that scene or in the series of scenes that you were talking about that you forgot to mention, which is the reason that he approached her in the first place when he was in her room is because she was on the verge of suicide. Like she was going to kill herself and because she was in a very bad place mentally. And I think that one thing that's super interesting watching this movie from a modern perspective in 2021 is, uh, is an old-fashioned approach to mental health and the struggles with mental health. And I thought that it was really um, interesting to see how they, like, spoke about it. They, they mentioned, like, her... She had this assistant that basically followed her throughout the movie. And she would constantly say, oh, well, she's not... The ballerina is not feeling well. She's feeling sick. She's Her head is sick. And I thought that it was a, a really interesting representation of how uneducated they were back then in terms of like mental health yeah just that <clears throat> just that whole scenario was really funny because <laughs> if you broke into someone's apartment now and they were like on the verge of jumping off their balcony you would still steal from them like not not me personally yeah. but like people yeah. in 2021 yeah. um yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that would not happen nowadays and especially like if someone breaks into your apartment you're calling the police so <laughs> it was really funny yeah, and I think another thing we got to talk about her iconic line in this movie, I want to be alone. And, well, because I, I don't know if you guys know this, but Greta Garbo, that line pretty much becomes synonymous with her public persona. She was a very, like, private person and didn't talk to the press much. And she ended up, like, retiring from acting uh, in her, like, mid-30s and just, like, was never heard from again. What I found really interesting about what you just said is that it almost seems like there were aspects of her real self in this character yes. and that this character was like struggling with a public presence. But also this character, um, the ballerina, they had to, in order to get the ballerina to go perform, they had to be like, oh, well, it's a sold out crowd and it is like you know, you're gonna have so many fans and things like that, which is almost like there's aspects of Greta Garbo in the character, but then there's also things that, from what you described, mm -hmm. seems like she would never do or never, like, buy into, you know, the those aspects of fame. Well, like, one thing about her character is, I think, especially for 1932, she has a very decently accurate portrayal of mental health, especially for the time and I think you could remake this today especially with her character and it would still be relevant and, and the film would still work um as for her character I couldn't help but feel bad for her you know because well, yeah. not not just the whole suicide thing but well thought of suicide I don't know <laughs> yeah. um just the fact that people around her 
were lying to her. I mean, you know, the guy that said, oh, it's a sold-out crowd and there's going to be people there. And, you know, obviously that was a lie. And just the fact at the end, spoilers, um, they lie to her about the Baron. You know, yeah. making her think that he is going to be on that train. When and she fact, just gets all yeah. excited. When yeah. in fact, the Baron has been killed. Yeah, he is lying on a... Structure? Under a sheet bed, somewhere. Yeah. Org. Yeah, I just feel bad for her. Um, I really, I, I enjoyed her as a character. I do think, again, like what Carly said, I definitely felt really bad for her. And I think that her character was really representative of what fame can do to a person. And what, like, even if you're surrounded by people, like in this movie, she was constantly surrounded by assistants and managers and, you know, fans and things like that. Um, she can still feel so lonely. So when someone like the Baron broke into her room and was there and saw her, truly saw her, even if he was trying, you know, I don't actually know how I feel about their, like, love story, yeah, I guess, it but was it was I a little weird. Um, but even, like, when someone, even if someone was, like, pretending to see her and see her struggles, it, like, she felt like she had finally been heard and so yeah. i think she felt lonely despite being surrounded by people and so i did like her as a character and i think that she could definitely be portrayed very similarly in a like modern remake um as for their like love story as you were saying i think i mean obviously i don't know if he ever had ulterior motives like he broke into the room for the the pearls but i don't think he i don't think he did but i do think like he did take a bit of a of her being in such a vulnerable yeah. yeah but then at the same time he actually fell for her by the time yeah. morning came and he was so desperate to get money for that ticket i think there was something real i don't know if he ever had an ulterior motive with her though because i don't think he was expecting her to even be in the room so i don't know if he ever like tried to manipulate her a little bit of context for what carly just said for those of you who haven't seen the movie or don't remember it very well or something um when they spend the entire night talking after he broke into her room and he um, shows himself to her and they, you know, are falling in love, she says that she's going to go on this trip to, it's Vienna, right? Yes, I think so. So she's going to go on a trip to Vienna and she wants him to come along. She wants to take him on this train. But he is, as we will discuss when we get into his character, the Baron is broke. But he isn't, he doesn't really tell very many people that he's broke because, of course, he's a Baron, so he's not supposed to be broke. So he then spends a lot of the rest of the movie trying to get money so he can join her. So it's there's ways to view it in that their love is real and there's ways to view it in that their love is just fake. And But, you know, you can take it any way that you want. Well, I guess now is a good time to segue into yeah. the Baron. Um, so played by John Barrymore, just so you don't get the Barrymores confused here interesting ways you can view his character because i didn't like him but you can definitely tell that he's like you know in love with uh the dancer and she like just desperately wants to be with her but at the same time like he's doing pretty awful things where i'm sure you know he could just sort of admit to people hey can you lend me some money or to her because she would offer like hey i'll pay for your ticket yeah, so his pride that, like, yeah definitely I think that he is such an interesting character. So in this movie, he is, so he's staying at the Grand Hotel and he meets another character, doc, Dr. How do you pronounce his name? Ottenschlag. No, the, no, the one who's sick. Oh, that's Mr. That's, he's not oh, a doctor. Oh, he's an whoops. <laughs> yeah. uh, I got some characters confused. Um, he he's... meets Mr. Kringlein, who is 
ill and is spending his last days at the hotel and he actually genuinely becomes friends with him and he's very kind to him when a lot of other people have been very nasty and rude to um to him and i think that that shows that he can be kind and he also is kind to the sonographer and i just think it's very interesting how he can be a crook you know stealing from people and breaking into people's rooms but then also when people need help like how the dancer needed help he is there for them and how when the dying man needs help he's there for him and so i think that one way to relate the baron back to the dancer is that it almost seems like he is alone as well and because you know he has this expectation that he'll be rich and full of money and very powerful when in reality he is struggling and he has like no money and so when he finds people who are also struggling like the dancer and the man who's sick he can relate to them and he can really um connect with them as friends and as like a lover and so i think that's really interesting about him yeah and i don't think he's a genuinely bad person because one at the end he steals from that guy mr pricing what's his name yeah. uh, yeah, pricing something yeah. like that um, um yeah. and he's a genuinely gross person you know yeah. stinky businessman <laughs> as they always portray them um and then he steal he tries to steal from Gru, the dancer but she doesn't one doesn't really care about the pearls and it's not really going to affect her because i mean she's not i mean she's her career's waning but not really her money so she's not going to miss one set of pearls and then when he tries later in the movie to steal from mr kringlein he doesn't get very far because he he realizes like why am i stealing from this nice man that is dying so he yeah. does put the money back yeah. so and it's almost like it's such a, what what you were saying like made me think of something like it's so interesting how when he breaks into um Gru the dancer's room he it, you know she doesn't really care whether or not he steals from her which shows a lot about her character as well but then when he breaks into Mr. Pricing's room and is stealing from him it ends up getting him killed and so his actions um even if it's like the literally like the same thing the way that people react can have drastically different outcomes onto his life because one led to someone falling in love with him and another ended ended with the end of him and so i think that that's like really interesting and one more thing i just thought that this was a cool fact is uh he john barrymore really wanted to be in a film with greta garbo so he signed a three-picture deal with MGM just so he could appear in a film with Greta Garbo. So, I think that's, wow. in a way, I kind of think that's, like, almost a little bit similar in his character. It's yeah, just, like, yeah. so desperate to be able to go with her. Did they ever, like, end up uh, getting into, like, a relationship? Or no, not that I know. Um, yeah, I don't think they did. But let's move on to my favorite character, the stenographer, Flemchen. I believe that's how you say her name. Um we'll just call her phlegm um played by joan crawford i um i also really really liked her character so she is someone who like does not take um crap from the men who are clearly trying to do harm to her in her life like mr pricing her boss who is just a total creep he's married but he's making advances on her and i think that um, it's very interesting because this movie was made in the 30s, so obviously they weren't, like, progressive at all, you know, but they still were able to write this character who was my favorite word, who was girl posting yes, throughout this yes, movie. Definitely. She was wonderful and, and she was very, very kind and I really, really liked her. I thought that she was someone who, like, I could be friends with her, you know, yeah. um, and just the way that she 
treated Mr. Kringlein at the end of the movie. She ended up um, going on a trip with him. Um, and she just seemed like such a sweet person who had a lot of ambitions. And, you know, I hope she made it in Hollywood. Yeah, she definitely achieved them. Do you think she'd be friends with Clarice? <laughs> yeah. I think she'd be friends with Clarice. <laughs> Women in jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Any woman who works is... Um, and I don't know if this says anything about me, based on what you guys have said about the Baron so far, <laughs> but I couldn't help but, like, ship them, kind of. At first, the, early on. Or the, the Baron? Yes. Yeah. And they have their first interaction, and they're like, yeah, oh, I was like, the, Before Whoa. he meets Gru, obviously, but I, I kind of like Flem more than the dancer, so me I too. couldn't really help me myself. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, you know, she says that she was in love with him. Yeah. So I couldn't really help it. <laughs> she obviously was, and then he just, like, blows her off. Oh, God, God. That was so, that was really weird to me. Like, that whole, I, I, I don't know. Like, it added something to the movie, but then also I felt like it was, if it wasn't there, that whole plot line of, like, yeah, oh, besties. her, like, the Baron meets her and he asks her on this date, but then he falls in love with this girl whose room he broke. I was like, that's kind of strange. Yeah, um, at first I actually was like, or am I like I know well okay so I had that same thought too because I'd seen like posters for the movie and I was like that's not the that's not the same girl on the poster like I was really confused um but I I don't know that was just an interesting thing that they did it was it was kind of strange but it was it was okay um do we have any final thoughts about the Baron no, no you mean about the stenographer, the stenographer? <laughs> excuse yeah. me um can we move on to my best boy Kringle no, I know? no no, no? No. no. We gotta talk about our worst boy. Pricing. Yes. Mr. He's before. Kringle okay. Wait. In the, in the, yeah. Oh, that's I have stuff. a question. Um, the doctor with the messed up face. Yeah. What was his point in the movie? Um, to say the first <laughs> and last line. Okay. So why did he look like that? I'm so confused. Okay, let me explain. Because I googled this because I was confused. So he is a veteran, and so he was injured in like an explosion, I think, and that's why but, he's. What was the so I had a few questions about him. I guess we're we're talking about his character. Yeah. There wasn't much to his character. So yeah, one is, where did he get the money to live in this hotel? Because he literally lives there. Like, does he work there as well? Is he like, are they doing him a favor? It's it's kind of strange. Well, yeah, but like he he lives there, you know. Um, and another thing, I think I liked his lines. Like, you know, nothing ever. What what's the exact like? He he reminds me of Rod Serling actually. From Twilight Zone, just like giving the monologue at the beginning and the end. Yeah, yeah like that was his purpose. He says, in the beginning of the movie, he says, "People coming, going, nothing ever happens." And then at the end, he says, "Grand Hotel, always the same. People going, <laughs> people coming, people come, people go, nothing ever happens." So I definitely, I definitely think Twilight Zone type guy. But anyway. Should we redirect back to freezing? Yeah, you know? sorry. I just had, I was like, yeah. I didn't understand. Yeah, he definitely had, I guess it was just sort of to do a little monologue and send the message. Well, but I, 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 sorry, like one last thing about him. Um, What I took away from that like quote is that it's, when you put a bunch of random people together, you're going to get crazy stories. Like I bet everyone has crazy stories from, you know, their time in school. Everyone has crazy stories from their job, right? So when you put a bunch of random people together, you get crazy stories. So I think what he was trying to say is that despite everything happening in the movie was like insane, you know, and like someone was killed in a hotel and it's just madness. Um, that's normal for, you know, maybe not the death part, yeah. <laughs> but these people meeting and becoming um, um, 
entangled in each other's lives is normal in an environment like this and i think that that's what that quote was representative of so yeah i was just because the fact that his face is so memorable because it's so messed up no offense maybe that's why they yeah like he's not just it, it's to help you remember that's why that line's so iconic just yeah. to help you remember yeah. like you got to attach someone interesting to it so mr pricing right maybe it's yes. a symbol that like he is surely uh, well yeah. i'm sorry no what were you gonna <laughs> say maybe, maybe it's a symbol that he is um kind of because of his injuries and because of his past he is out of what you would say like typical like out of the ordinary um he that doesn't there's nothing so yeah. he can look at it from an outside view and almost maybe it's because his life has been so chaotic that when he sees the chaos in the hotel he's like well you know it's not it's not really anything um but i hope that he was a really interesting character okay. so so now finally on to mr pricing um none of us liked this guy and if you liked this character he was supposed to be the antagonist yeah he is the antagonist um he is this businessman who has screwed over our favorite mr kringleine um he is like i said earlier making advances on a young girl when he on phlegm when he is married and i think he has kids right it is just a mess and um he's very very rude and uh you know really representative of like what too much money can do to someone because you know there's like and also he killed someone over money right like what you're supposed to do in that situation is if someone breaks into your hotel room with obvious which obviously is wrong but if someone is coming out at you with a weapon then it's okay to you know use self-defense but he wasn't the baron i'm not excusing what he did but the baron wasn't trying to hurt um pricing like physically and then he ended up killing him which is just like insane I just think it's interesting because if a movie released nowadays had a character like pricing in it, it would be seen as, I think, as a symbol of, like, capitalism and stuff. And just the fact that someone like him was in, like, I'm sure there's plenty of um, characters like him in movies back then, but I just think that it's an interesting thought. I don't know, maybe it was put out there. I definitely agree with you. There's a lot of there's a lot of old movies that like really have not aged well, whether it's due to like, you know, just like inappropriate things in the film or being said. But I think that this movie, um, like I've, like we've said before, could be remade. And a lot of these characters are really representative of just different types of people. And so he is very representative of like, you know, a businessman gone gone bad and just money ruining someone. Yeah, and I think a good thing is, uh, or a good comparison to make is the two male characters to one another and the two female main characters to one another. Because I think that the Baron and Pricing are, like, two ends of the same, yeah, like, kind of guy. And and I think the, the women are that, too, where Flem is definitely very, like, confident and very, like, secure, I think, like, you know, in her job and what she wants. And I think that... Uh, grew is so like oh, I don't like you know she's obviously vulnerable and very you know does not seem like she you know she's lonely is pretty much the same words so I think that they definitely do that to have them be on different ends and yeah precing is a creep and a you know deserve to get arrested I totally agree with what you said and then it made me come up with this idea like it's almost like before and after. So 
like Gru is the after of what fame can do to you Mm -hmm. but then Flem is like she wants to be an actress she wants to be famous and so she's super confident super ambitious meanwhile while pricing is like what happens when you're at the very top of you know money you're at the top of business and the Baron is desperation when you fall from that and you you know spend all your money or you lose all your money and so it's like they're like almost like before and after of those two different types of lifestyles and so now are we doing Kringle yes. Line? Our favorite! Carly, would you like to go first? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really have many deep thoughts He's about Kringle Line. Yeah. yeah, I don't have deep we thoughts. But I just couldn't help but, like, um, anytime he came on screen, it was like, it's such a sweet, innocent old man yeah. who is going to die, and I just couldn't help but feel bad for him. And he deserves that trip with Flem. That was so nice of her. That was yeah, I absolutely that, that adorable. Yeah, their friendship is so, so sweet, so cute. I think that the, I always, like, whenever I see a character that, like, is, you know, sick or, like, is injured very poorly and they're about to die or something, I always wonder, like, you know, what is going, obviously he's not real, but if that character was real, if that person was real, what is going through their mind? And I think what's so interesting and, like, I I keep using the word interesting, but this was a really interesting movie. What's so interesting about him is that his decision is that he's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, live in this extravagant hotel for my last days. And what it really turns into until, you know, the ending, which is, which is, you know, his friend dies. But what it turns into is he's learning what life is all about. And it's, it's such a cool aspect of like, when you are about to lose something, you truly enjoy it. And so he's truly enjoying his life for the first time ever and I felt so bad for him when his friend died and I just I thought that it was nice how except for like pricing and some other people like how most people were very kind to him um as they like learned more about him and learned that he was sick and I'm glad that he got you know a happy ending with Flem. I think he's just the sweet old man and I think he's the I would say he's the hero in the story of being like you know he gets to take Flem on the I guess the beginning of her career journey and he's pa- Paris who reported the murder. Yeah. Yes, it helps her when she's terrified of this guy coming to kill her next pretty much. Um so she runs to him and wakes him up and I think that he's just like the protector and like the hero in the story and I definitely you know love him. He's so sweet. Yeah, like, I I also, I really like how it almost turned into, like, him being, like, oh, like, the goofy, like, you know, like, he's the funny one, right? And even though he has, like, this sad, you know, backstory or whatever, and then it turns into, like, he's truly the hero, like you said, like, his character really develops and he really, you know, kind of becomes a, a, like, a better person, and I just think he was a really, really great character. I don't have anything else to say on Kringleline, but I keep thinking about, you know, the murder scene, and, um... I just find it funny how I I don't okay so it's hard to explain because I wasn't necessarily looking at the screen when it happened so I think I might have missed it but (laughs) pricing was talking about it after the fact so he was saying that Flem was conspiring with the Baron so because it's hard to explain but Basically, their hotel rooms looked in on each other you know like you could open the Flem and yeah like you could I thought. I thought it was that they, like, since she worked for him, I thought it was, like, they got, a like, a double room. Either way. Yeah. But, but I, you could, I, they opened in on each other. Well, yeah, that's the thing, is he accuses her of, like, seducing him so he can get distracted and then the Baron can come in and steal his money. 
Yeah, I was just gonna say I just found that really funny. Yeah. Just because yeah. I, I don't know if he ever admits to Flem that he is broke, but the fact that Flem sees what he's trying to do and doesn't stop yeah. it. So yeah. I thought that was really cool of them. Well, I think she also like has had such negative experiences with pricing. Is like she she's kind of like you know what you can do anything to pricing. I don't care. Like you know screw that guy. You know we talked about her seducing pricing and Joan Crawford initially objected playing from because she feared the performance would be censored because she was too racy. How do you think about that? Her being too provocative. That's so interesting. Like one thing I was actually going to bring up to you guys was like, what are, what are your like thoughts on? Cause obviously this movie is, is old. And so it was made in the thirties. And back then they had like a totally different like mindset about like modesty. And like, I don't know if you watch this movie, you're like, everyone looks so fancy. You know, like their clothes are all so fancy. When you go to a hotel today, it's like, you know, you're wearing like pajamas and your hair's in a messy bun. You're like shoveling food from the, the breakfast buffet into your face. Um, but it's just, is so like, they were all so classy. And so like, you know, well-dressed. And I thought that was like, I, I, I guess it, it makes sense that she would think that this was racy because they had such different um, ideas about what modesty versus like being pr- provocative was back then um counter argument i don't really see it because one like it's not like she was dressed in a bikini the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> i'm just kidding I, like i don't first of all clothing i don't see how and i wouldn't say she was overly provocative with the baron when they were flirting in the beginning flirting i mean that's what i yeah, think it is yeah. but um and then also the scene where pricing was coming on to her um Flem was keeping him on the hook but she wasn't really like give I don't know how to explain it she was he was coming on to her she wasn't really she was trying to distract him but she wasn't like you know so I don't think she was really that racy I guess what I said okay I didn't mean to say that that she was racy I said I (laughs) I think that I understood why she would think it was just because of their like level of modesty back then I don't think like I don't think like you know, obviously in movies today, like, people, they do whatever, like, and I, like, I, um, but I get why she would think that, I don't think it was racist. I don't, I don't see it at all. Well, I just think because people, like, back then, especially women, probably had a lot of insecurities about, like, showing skin or, like, even, you know, flirting or anything on screen, and so, which they shouldn't have, you know, like, go be a girl boss, (laughs) but, um, but yeah. Well, I think one thing you also have to keep in mind is this is, pretty early on in like Joan Crawford's career and she's trying to establish herself as the star so I think you you know you have she has you know she's a little bit hesitant because you know this is her career that she's building so she wants to get the right projects but one thing that she said in later years when asked about the film she said a grand film a grand experience in my life I'm so proud I was thrilled when I heard I was going to be doing it I only wanted to be worthy because she was also she was also a huge fan of Greta Garbo, who's probably at this time like the biggest star. Did they even interact together? Um, no, I don't think that they ever. Probably went to like events. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, they they interacted in the background, and one thing that like this is pretty. I don't know. <laughs> on Greta Garbo's part, this is pretty asshole-ish. Is uh, Joan really wants to meet her, really wants to talk to her, like, goes up to her repeatedly, and Grand Girl just ignores her, and then, so eventually, like, Joan's just like, okay, I'm not gonna bother, 
And then Greta Garbo said, aren't you going to say something to me? After she likes, yeah. Well, Greta Garbo didn't even show up to the premiere of this movie. Um, She like stayed at home, which is like, you know, I I guess adds into the I want to be alone persona. No, she stayed at home. But one thing that I saw that's really interesting um, at the premiere of Rome, (laughs) yeah, and at the premiere of the movie, they like set up like like the check-in area that you see in the movie with like so you had to check in to go see the movie. So they did that, and it was at the Chinese theater, which if you don't know, that's like huge in old Hollywood. That's like one of the biggest. The Chinese theater is, this is, this will probably make people, like, recognize it. It's where all the celebrities, like, put their handprints in the cement. That's, like, right outside. I went and visited over the summer, and it was so cool. It was, there were so many, like, cool, like, star things there. Like, star handprints. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean the, the walk of fame. Yeah, I know, we know what you mean. Okay, so, I have a question, since we've kind of discussed all of the main characters. Um, what, so, when I watch, and I was actually talking about, this with Carly before we started filming. When I watch an old movie, I can't help but be really, really, really aware of, like, especially an old movie like this where every single person who's in it has passed away. I can't help but be super aware of the fact that none of these actors are still alive. And so when you watch an old movie, I'm raising this question to you guys, when you watch an old movie, are you, like, aware of that? What do you think of that? Do you, does it make you feel sad? Does it make you view the movie differently than you would a new movie? Like, what are your thoughts on that, I guess? Um, well, me personally, it's not about the people. It's more about their environment. Like, oh, like, especially if they're using, like, you know, in old movies, they had like the transatlantic accent and they used a lot of words we don't use anymore. But if they use a word that is like, or, you know, if they use terms that is like so common today, or if they do anything that is like exactly the same as people do today, I'm like, wow, like that is how life was back then it's so weird because when you look at a history textbook it's like oh these people lived completely different lives and they would be shell-shocked at how we live today but if you think back on it it's like wow it's the same (laughs) almost yeah Yeah, and i mean i think maybe if i saw like a bad old movie then i'd think that way but i think that like all the actors in this are so good that i never really was taken out and like in the way that it's can be so adapted to today that I just sort of it seems like one of those things that's just sort of like I don't even think about the time period like I was just like Like watching yeah pretty much um oh also to answer your earlier question I just saw this uh about uh Greta Garbo and John Barrymore is when Greta Garbo was very particular when filming the scenes and she had these uh, like curtains placed up uh, between the crew and the scene so like she would have the mood set or whatever and it became you know since she got so carried away and so lost she ended up making out with john barrymore th- for three minutes the bonus smooching footage survives so oh, if you if you, you want to look right <laughs> i'll pull it up now but that's so interesting i bet like made me forget what i was gonna say yeah. for a second um what I, I was going to kind of, like, answer my own question more and say that, like, and kind of connect it back to what Carly said, and that it's so interesting to see how they, like, lived back then and, like, the similarities and the differences. One thing that I always find so, like, weird, and obviously it was normal back then, but it's just so weird, 
is everyone smoking inside? It's just a thing yeah. that everyone did. Every single person is smoking at some point throughout this movie. I'm like, I cannot imagine they all smelled like cigarette smoke. Like, that must yeah. have sucked. Another thing I always think about is, like, obviously when you're watching it, it was not filmed on the best cameras. It's in black and white. It's kind of blurry. You know, it has, like, slightly moving a little bit. Yeah. But I always think about how vibrant that must have looked when you were there in person and how, yeah. you know, like, they were still... Like, they were actually like it seeing it. What color everything yeah. was. What, what did it truly yeah. look like? And so I just think that well, that's... Well, I think they can... They can sort of do that. I think they did it with some black and white films. I'm sure you can find... Maybe not with this, but maybe with something um, else in black and white, like Casablanca or something that's, you know, a much more well-known than this, is they did colorize some of it because film you can keep improving forever and forever because it's physical, and Ted Turner, who created CNN, wanted to colorize all these old movies. And stars went to Congress to say, no, like, they were made in black and white. They're supposed to be seen in black and white. Like, that was the purpose of why these were made. Like, you know, and they ruled in their favor and they were never colorized. So I think that um, uh, it definitely is interesting to think about sometimes where I've seen, like, behind the scenes pictures of some stars um and I was like oh my god that dress was that color or like you know just like certain stuff like that where you like can actually see what the set really looked like yeah and that's so interesting so I guess um now I guess we'll do our ratings, ratings time. okay um I'll start so uh the Rotten Tomatoes rating for this is what I'm looking at I was like why is it <laughs> no I'm looking so the Rotten Tomatoes rating is 86%. So wait, let's just address this real quick. It's 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the three other movies that we've watched have been 95 and 96%. And um, how do you, do you think this should be rated higher than, I guess you can sort of tie that into your own rating of being rated higher because I find this so insane that Halloween is rated higher than this yeah, movie. <laughs> So I'd give, the, I would actually, I would, I'll say I'll give this movie a 90%. I think that like maybe a bit more. Um, it did kind of lose me a bit at times where it did get a little, you know, where I was just like, hurry up. Or, you know, just a little like get, I got lost a little in it. But I think it's, it's a great movie and I mean, I just, I find the story so interesting. And I do think there have been, since this was originally a Broadway play, I do think that they have... I believe they actually changed this into a musical, and the musical won best musical of the Tonys. I it was definitely great, and I think the heart of it is really the story, because this was also originally a German story or book that I won't bother pronouncing the title of, because it will not sound the same as what it's supposed to sound like. Yeah, it's the Berlin Grand Hotel. Um... So I think that, like, the story is really the heart of it. I think the story is just so incredible that, like, that's why, that's what makes the film. And, of course, the actors and actresses, too. But it did lose me a bit, so I, th I think 90% better than Rotten Tomatoes has. Essentially, my rating would be what's on Rotten Tomatoes right now, like 86, yeah. I think you said. I think that's perfect because if I see a movie, personally, if I see a movie that's in, like, the 90% range, it has to be really, really good, yeah. you know? Like, classic. Yeah, you know. but like the most perfect yeah, movie yeah, ever. Like, like silence. I definitely think Silence had a good rating. I think that that's... Yeah. yeah. Um, but like you were saying, it did... I found it very, very 
well, not very boring, but I found it, like, slow compared to the next movie we're going to talk about. <laughs> and it, I don't, it's not my favorite that we've talked about so far on the podcast, but it was good. I did like the story, like the characters, but it was kind of really dialogue heavy yeah. for me. And my attention span is not that great. So I think 86 is really good. I did like it. So so I actually, I agree with Miriam. I would give it a 90. Um, I don't, like, unlike Carly, I don't agree with the Rotten Tomatoes score. I think that was just a little bit too low. Um, Especially compared to something like Yeah, like, spare, compared to something like Halloween. Um, I think that this movie, um, like I've said countless times at this point, could be remade today. And I think that's really impressive that they made something that is timeless and withstands, you know, different like different eras um i do think that this there were parts that were slow there were parts when and this is kind of just a technology issue but there were parts when you couldn't really hear i was watching it with subtitles but sometimes the subtitles were didn't match what they were saying that's not their fault but um sometimes i couldn't really hear what they were saying um i think that this is one of those movies that for like certain parts of it you could like listen to it rather than like watch it because there wasn't a ton going on on screen but i thought that it was really interesting story i liked that there was it was a big like ensemble cast but i would have given it a 95 if um the relationship between uh the baron and the dancer had been kind of more like had more screen time almost like i felt like since that was you know what's pictured in the poster and what's you know in the description it wasn't it didn't really it wasn't a big center like focal point of the movie Especially since um, the time period that they, like, fall in love, they just sort of, like, jump over. They don't show yeah. you that at all, them interacting, them getting to know each other. So I think that that definitely, like, you're just sort of like, oh, oh we're in love now. You know, let's run away together. I would have loved to see, and I've seen other, like, romance movies where, you know, characters are just having really deep conversations. And obviously it can't go on for, like, an hour. But I, I would have loved to seen a clip between the two of them, you know, where we truly get to see what, you know, made them click. Um, but yeah, I really like this movie. So, Miriam, do you want to say what our next pick yes, is? This is my pick, and we're only jumping two years ahead in time to It Happened One Night. Um, another, this is our second big five winner uh, at the Oscars. Uh, the first was Silence of the Lambs. Go listen to that if you haven't. And uh, this is just... So, this is... So, yeah. So, that's our next movie. And that won Best Picture in 1934. So, yeah. Um, Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Couch Potato Critics. Um, <laughs> you're, you're Shirley. I'm Shirley. I'm Carly. And I'm Miriam. And we... <laughs> Oh my god. And You're gonna have to cut this. <laughs> no, Ma- and yeah, we'll see you next week. Well, we'll make sure make sure um <laughs> make sure to um follow us wherever you get your spot up wherever you get your <laughs> podcast. Make sure to like us, download us, whatever you have to do to stay tuned, and I hope you enjoyed. I suppose I can cancel the Vienna contract? I just want to be alone. You're going to be very much alone, my dear madame. This is the end.